Hello, and welcome to the third week of the uh, four-week series, Following Jesus. Uh, today we're going to be thinking about church. Uh, we're going to be thinking about how uh, God's people were meant to follow Jesus as a community of people, as a church. Uh, and as our scripture today, we're going to be looking at Proverbs 13 20 in the ESV translation. Uh, now, Proverbs uh, is a collection of ancient wisdom sayings, uh, and most of these are short, simple sentences that carry a profound observation uh, about what it means to live a godly life in the real world. And Proverbs 13.20 is one of those sayings. It is a simple, short sentence, but it will tell us something quite amazing, what it means to be a Christian, to be a member of God's people. That's the Proverbs 13.20 in the ESV translation. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So this passage teaches a very simple and an utterly easy to grasp fact. The people you hang out with shape the person you become. If you hang out with people who are wise, people with lots of wisdom, then very naturally that's going to start rubbing off on you. You are naturally going to learn stuff from them. You're going to observe how they live their lives. Uh, and on a conscious level and on a subconscious level, you're going to become like them. Um, but the exact opposite is also true. If you hang out with a bunch of idiots, you might just catch the bug. Uh, foolishness is contagious, just like wisdom is. Uh, foolishness is far more contagious than coronavirus, and often more deadly. Uh, the people you hang around with have a massive influence on who you are. Uh, and never is that more true than when you're a teenager. I think back to when I was a teenager, about, ooh, this must have been uh, 10 years ago, um, there was a heavy winter in Gateshead. Uh, it, it was uh, one of those winters, maybe 2011, uh, where Gateshead came to a shuddering, shivering halt. Now at the time I attended Wickham School, uh, a bastion of academic achievement. It's a sports college. For some reason, I went to a sports college. Um, and it's positioned at the top of Swalwell Bank. Now, one day during this winter, uh, snow was coming down thick and snow was coming down fast. And no one in the school was doing an ounce of learning because you're all caught up in, the, in this feverish excitement. We were all asking the same question. Is school going to close? Because, like, it was pretty snowy, and we were sure that school could not carry on. Uh, we didn't know if at 3pm we were going to be sent home and told, don't come back to tomorrow, there's no point. And we didn't know if, if something even better could happen, even more wonderful, even more exquisite. We didn't know if they might have to cancel school in the middle of the day. And you know something, at 1pm that day, the wonderful news came through, school was done for. It was every man, woman, and child for himself. We were all heading for the exit. Now, back at school, I had a great bunch of friends. But they were fools. Uh, and rather than head to the nearest bus stop and catch the bus, number 97, down to the metro centre, uh, we decided, no, we're going to walk 
we're going to walk down to Swarwell and catch number 45. Okay, uh, not the brightest decision because Swarwell was filled with, with skidding cars, slippery footpaths uh, and thick falling snow. Now about halfway down Swarwell Bank there's an emergency road where you can go if you, your brakes fail. Uh, but, if you, but just before then there is a shortcut. And if you head down that shortcut, it, it takes you down through a field, past some houses, and you cut out loads of the bank. Uh, and even though it was heavy snow, we thought, you know what, let's head for that field. In our school uniforms, in our school shoes, in our school coats, we headed for this, this field in, in, in clothing that was really not designed for that level of, of winter hiking. And sure enough, being the kids that we were, we started a fierce snowball fight. It went on for what felt like hours, and it spilled over from that field into the streets that lay beyond. It was extraordinary. And near one of the houses, uh, near where the, uh, where the shortcut meets the road again, um, one of my friends scooped up a, a snowball. He scrunched it together tightly in his hand, and he launched it at another one of my friends. It didn't hit the target. In fact, it passed him by without injury, and it hit his little brother, who we were walking home. And it didn't hit him in the shoulder. It didn't hit him in the chest. It didn't hit him in the arm, in the leg. No, it hit him straight in his wide, open, staring eyes. Now, schools ban snowballs for two reasons. Firstly, uh, because compact snow is basically a block of ice, and it can hurt quite a lot to be hit by that. Uh, but also because you can very easily get grit and small stones caught up in those snowballs. Both reasons were at play here. My friend, quite unknowingly, had picked up some grit and loose small stones from the ground with the snow, uh, and he scrunched it together and had thrown it straight into uh, this kid's eyes. As the Bible says, the companion of fools will suffer harm. We were fools, and in our foolishness, we, we brought another person, and we ended up getting them hurt. Now, I'd like to say that we, at this point, had an outbreaking of inner wisdom, and we sought immediate medical help, or even just found an adult to help. But we didn't. We were idiots. Uh, so I got my friends to hold this kid down uh, because he was threatening to tell on us. And I got a bottle of water and I washed all the grit and the stones out of his eyes. Uh, and we forced him never to ever tell anyone what had happened. Now this kid was fine, you know, barring the emotional scarring. Uh, but it was certainly not our proudest moment. We were fools. And because that kid had hanged around with us, he'd end up getting hurt. We were fools who had encouraged each other in our foolishness, and we'd just been a bit dumb. Now, as you can see, I haven't learned a lot. Uh, I still am a bit of a fool. Uh, I was hanging around with some people, particularly aggressive game of rounders, and now my hand looks like this. But while I have had some stupid friends along the years, I have also had some wise friends. I think of Nick, a lovely eccentric posh bloke that I knew at uni. Uh, he first showed me the wonders of the Bible. He encouraged me to, to read it every day, to, to meditate on it, and to learn from it. There was David, the, the kind-hearted man, who, uh, who showed me there was grace for all my failings. 
And it was Jeremy, the, the good friend, who showed all of us what it meant to run towards God at full speed. To worship him with all our hearts. There was Zach and Ben, who, who taught me to feel joy when I was feeling down. They were wise people. They are wise people. And I've learned so much from just being around them. So if you remember nothing else from today's sermon, remember this. There is enormous value in having wise friends. While when I was a teenager, I was surrounded by fools. As I got older, I met those wise people. Uh, And they have guided and helped me so much in my life. Just as Proverbs 13.20 indicated they might do. So there is enormous value in having wise friends. Yep, and I can't stress this enough. I'm not just talking about any form of wisdom. Because the friends that I knew at uni who who were uh, kind and wise and helped me were not just smart people who knew a thing or two. They were people who showed and taught others the sort of wisdom that you find in Proverbs, which is actually a very unique sort of wisdom. You see, the wisdom in Proverbs is not the wise saying of a man on a mountain who spends his whole life wondering about abstract philosophies of knowledge, divinity and the inner self. Real wisdom that you find in the Bible is not made up of vague sayings and knowing looks. The wisdom of Proverbs is about the everyday. True wisdom is a skill of living a godly life in the mucky everyday world. It is living out what it means to be a Christian in the workplace, in the home, in politics, in your personal finances. That is the wisdom that Proverbs calls us towards. That is the wisdom that you learn from wise friends as you live your everyday with them. Think about it this way. I wholeheartedly believe uh, that one of the most important Christian practices is that of daily Bible reading and daily prayer. Reading the Bible every day is invaluable. It means you get to to learn from God himself. You get to listen uh, to his word, to him speak about himself. You get to pray through that, asking him for help, understanding and applying it to yourself. It is something that is absolutely amazing. It is a privilege that every Christian has the opportunity uh, to engage with God through his word. But there's something even better than that. Because how much better is it when it's not just one person reading God's word every day and seeking to live it out? but when it's a community of them doing it together. How much better is it when it's not just you reading through the word of God, but it's you and your friends seeking to to work out what it all means, seeking to live it all out together. Sharing the wisdom that you gained as you read the Bible with them and having them share the wisdom they gained back with you. The wisdom of Proverbs, the wisdom that it's talking about when it says that you learn from having wise friends, it is the wisdom that comes from, from Christian friends who seek God in their lives and provide guidance to you and provide an example for you to follow as you provide guidance and an example to them 
follow too. Proverbs 13.20, it speaks of, of wisdom being gained from friends who love God. It is a God-fearing, godly wisdom that is shared amongst people as they journey together and as they encourage, encourage each other along the journey. So if you want that wisdom, if you want wisdom that is the skill of living a godly life in the mucky everyday world, then seek out those who love God, who live out God's ways, who are wise, and live alongside those people. The sort of people that I found at university and sadly didn't find many of at school. But you know something, this all taps into something bigger because I believe there's actually something passionately I passionately believe there's something that that we all need to know uh, about all this that that makes all of it make sense that fits all of this into a context Um, and it's this Christ did not die to just save me Christ did not die to just save you. Christ died to to save us. He did not come just to build up individuals. He came to build a people. He came to build a nation. He came to build a kingdom. And it follows, therefore, does it not? The Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. You see, we live in a culture that that values the self. It values individuality. It it does this in a variety of ways. One of them is greed. Um, Society so often tells us that that, that I need to make as much money as possible to make myself happy, to give myself comfort, to buy everything I need to make life perfect. Often it's not very explicit when it says this, but it's implicit when it tells us that if we buy this next thing, we'll be happy. Or if we get that pay rise, it will sort all our problems out. Sometimes, in a more explicit way, it tells us to live out our own truth. To do what makes us happy. To be the person we're always meant to be. To choose our destiny. To seek it. To do whatever is best for ourselves. To look out for number one and be the person you're always meant to be. In the end, that's just all focus on the individual again. All focus on the self. That is the sort of society we live in. One that cares for individuals and for number one. And sometimes that thinking floats into church. And sometimes we, we get it into our heads that we are meant to go to church to build our faith up. We think, or I think, that I'm meant to read the Bible so I can do better or be better. Sometimes I think, uh, or we think, that, that, that I'm meant to, to pray to God to help me in my life so I can advance forwards. That I pray to God that he might help people close to me. And I can make the mistake of thinking that the church is just there to serve me and my spiritual journey. But the reality is that individualism is completely alien to the Bible. Because as soon as you start reading the Bible, you bump into all sorts of things that that just don't make sense in a world that's focused on yourself. 
when you read the Bible, you bump into things like Ephesians 5, 25, which says, As Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Ephesians 5.25 talks of Christ dying for a people. It talks of Christ growing a people, Christ washing a people, Christ loving a people. Not just individuals. When you read the Bible, you end up bumping into things like Hebrews 10 verses 4 um, to 25, which at the end says, And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing nearer. These verses remind us of the importance of Christians meeting together to encourage one another. The importance of Christians being with one another, of stirring one another up. When you read the Bible, you bump into, into texts like Proverbs 13.20, which says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companions of fools will suffer harm. See, these verses don't picture believers as living out their Christian life alone. They picture them as being lived out with others. This proverb, Proverbs 13.20, reminds us that wisdom is not a lonely quest of the side of a mountain. It is something discovered in the presence of others. That is the context into which Proverbs 13.20 sits. Before Jesus had even arrived on, in this world, before the church in its modern sense had existed, when the people of God were, were a small Middle Eastern nation, they discovered this solid truth. Wise, godly living thrives in the company of wise, godly Now, uh, unless you happen to live under a rock, you've probably heard of, of these. The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. Seven books, uh, the most famous of which is The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Uh, the story of a land trapped in eternal winter, but never able to experience Christmas. Uh, it is a land controlled by an evil white witch uh, who turns anyone who opposes her to stone. Four kids uh, from our world, in a game of hide-and-seek that gets wildly out of control, uh, manage to, to journey into Narnia to fight the witch for control and become the kings and queens of that land. Embedded in that story is the gospel, is forgiveness and redemption. Uh, my favourite uh, of these uh, books is actually the, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Uh, in that, the, the King of Narnia, joined by more random kids from our world, strangely, uh, try and find the edge of the Narnian world. Because while our world is round, theirs is flat. It has an edge that no one has ever reached. And some intrepid adventurers set out and make it their goal to reach the edge and see whether or not Aslan's country is there. Whether or not the, the land that belongs to the person who created Narnia is there at the edge of all 
that they know in their creation. So each one of these books uh, contains some wonderful wisdom, and it's all boiled down into simple, beautiful stories that could be understood by the, the, the smallest child and appreciated um, by, by them for their entire lives. But C.S. Lewis's wisdom is not simply contained within seven books, The Chronicles of Narnia. He wrote a lot more as well. Before he wrote these, he wrote the Cosmic Trilogy, uh, which is a bit like Narnia for grown-ups. Uh, in it, uh, you can find alien worlds where there are no sin, and you can see Christianity turned into something of a sci-fi adventure. He also wrote the book Mere Christianity, a book which explores uh, Christianity in, in its basic form that makes sense of it and presents simple and powerful wisdom. Uh, he also wrote uh, the Screwtape Letters, which are fictional letters from a senior demon to a junior one. And, and th this book reflects on the nature of evil and reveals just how foolish it is. And all the while he was doing that, C.S. Lewis was also one of the leading medieval scholars of his day. If you want to know about medieval literature to this day, you read C.S. Lewis. So he was a wise man. He was filled with, with, with a wisdom that is still listened to today. And he shared that freely. And he is rightfully celebrated. If you go to his birthplace in Northern Ireland, there's a statue. He is held aloft as a wise man. Uh, if you go to many churches this Sunday across the world, you will find sermons being preached which are influenced by his thinking. But C.S. Lewis was not alone. The wisdom he had was not learned alone. It didn't turn up from nowhere and just make itself at home in his head. He had a group of wise Christian friends around him. You won't recognise their names, or at least the names of most of them. Owen Barfield, Jack Bennett, Lord Cecil, Neville Cohill, Hugo Dyson, Adam Fox, J.H. Grant, Roger Lancelin Green, Robert Havard, Camille Smith, Warren Lewis, Charles Williams. You'll recognise one of them, J.R.R. Tolkien. But they were, they were Christians who gathered together to write together make fun of stuff they'd written to challenge one another, to debate each other, to disagree, to build one another up. They even had a name for themselves. They were the Inklings. And they're just a wonderful example of Christians coming together to encourage one another. And they achieved some awesome stuff. They showed the value of Christian community. Yeah, they, they weren't perfect. But they were Christians journeying together and gaining wisdom from one another. All of which begs the question, are we walking with the wise in our own lives? Or are we walking with fools? Are we going on the Christian journey surrounded by God-fearing people? Do you have a group of Christian friends who build each other up in wisdom? Now, for a lot of us, the answer to those questions will be kinder. Yeah, we have Christian friends. We have Christians we hang around with. But do we have those deep friendships? Sometimes. 
Do we have people we truly walk with? Or do we just have people that we sometimes walk nearby? It's now church is meant to work. We're meant to encourage one another onwards. We're meant to grow in wisdom together. As Proverbs 13.20 says, we are meant to grow in wisdom, living life alongside each other. And if we're not learning to live life amongst the wise, then we're learning amongst the fools. So how do we do that? How do we build a community of Christians growing together? Well, I'm going to suggest three ways. Three ways which are not exhaustive and you don't have to do them. But they're the sorts of things that you could do if you wanted to, to grow a community or, or a friendship group of Christians who are dedicated to living out a godly life together. Number one, join a house group. Could be online, could be off. Could be fortnightly, weekly, monthly. But meet up with others and learn the Bible. Because Sunday mornings are great, but it's very easy to turn up to them, to nod along and leave quietly without talking to anybody. That's especially true in the time of COVID. Number two. Meet with people one to one. Just meet with someone and read the Bible with them. Pray with them. It could be an older person taking a younger person under their wing. It could be two people having a cup of tea while the kids play. But don't undervalue what it's like to sit with someone and learn from them and have them share their wisdom with you. Number three, find Christians in your workplace. Hang out with them. The wisdom of Proverbs is the everyday wisdom and that includes work. Find Christians in your office, your school, your uni and get to know them. Because you can work together and you can face the unique challenges of your line of work, of your university, of your school, together. And you can work out what it means to be a Christian in that place. Now as this world opens up again, as it becomes possible to, to see one another, to walk alongside each other, do not underestimate the blessing that this is. As Chaldean starts meeting together physically, there will be new and more obvious opportunities to build friendships, to hang out, to be church together. Seize those opportunities with both hands. The church has survived lockdown battered and bruised, and we are beginning the journey out. Walk with us. And remember, Christ did not die just to save you. The Holy Spirit is not just in you. The Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. So don't live it like it was. And if all else fails, remember this quote by C.S. Lewis himself. The next best thing to being wise oneself is to live in a circle of those who are. Amen.